exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinku and I'll be your host for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how's it going? Oh, good. Enjoying our lovely snow we've had today. Oh, of course. What is it? Are you sure it's April 18th and not February 18th? I'm not sure anymore. All I know is, I mean, we live in Michigan, so I don't put it past it. Of course, and I really did think we were out of the woods when it came to snow. Really? I really did. I mean, I thought maybe a dusting, but I woke up this morning, what, we had maybe an inch? It was, like, sticky snow, too. It was horrible. I like I told you earlier, I drove my car to class, and I was turned on my wipers, and because it was so thick and so heavy, my wipers wouldn't go through it. Oh, man. Like, I had to, like, sit there and, like, hold it down so it would work, but yeah, it was thick and it was wet and stupid snow. Yeah, it's Michigan, <laughs> like you said. I mean, it was a complaint about it today, but... What are you going to do about it? It's supposed to be 63 on Wednesday. So, again, Michigan at its finest. Uh, it'll snow on Monday, and we'll be in the mid-60s on Wednesday. We so, but I will say I do think we're out of the woods now when it comes to snow. <laughs> well, okay? My birthday's going to roll around. My birthday's, what, in 25 days, 24 days? And it's going to be snowing. No, it, it, Maybe it won't snow, but it'll be like 40 degrees outside Ugh, for the high. Don't even say that. If it's going to be that cold, it might as well snow. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully, I mean, it is April 18th, everyone, so we should be getting to consistently decent weather soon enough, I guess. But uh, I, you know, everyone who put up with that snow today, you know, congratulations to you. It wasn't a fun Monday morning for anyone, I think, out there. But again, Wednesday's supposed to be better, and uh, it's supposed to rain, but I'll take rain over snow any day of the week. 63 degrees is all right, so we should be getting somewhere with this weather soon enough. But uh, we do have a lot to get to on today's program. Uh, we're going to be talking, obviously, about the playoffs with the Red Wings and what they're doing there. Going to get to the Detroit Tigers, who really, the bats aren't really there right now. Get to the Tigers and what's going on with them lately. We're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs and all the hoopla that's going on that went on this weekend. Very exciting weekend, actually, in the NBA playoffs. We'll actually touch on a little uh, article about Barry Bonds, something that happened last week regarding him. And Megan will finish up the show with a... Very exciting Talladega recap. Oh, yeah. Yes, I mean, absolute fantastic finish there, but we'll save that for later in the show. Uh, right now, we're going to start the show off, actually, with uh, just a little update on uh, Brian Linthicum. Uh, this is an article about Linthicum, who was arrested uh, back in March out in Aspen, Colorado, for a misdemeanor assault and eluding police. Uh, he did plead guilty to these charges and uh, has received one year of probation and uh, he also will have to do 40 hours of community service, pay around $100 in court costs, take an alcohol awareness class, and a course in anger management. So, I mean, do you think the punishment fits the crime, Megan? I don't know. I was talking earlier. Um, I mean, I, at least he's getting punished. I well, yeah, and he definitely should be punished. Um, but 40 hours of community service for assault, I feel, is a little maybe low. Um, I know you said earlier before the show they were talking about whether he should have to pay for what did you say? Yeah, what they're doing, they're uh, scheduled a hearing for June 14th uh, to decide whether Linthicum should have to pay restitution to Benjamin Nichols, who was a bar patron that was actually punched by uh, Brian Linthicum that night. Yeah. So they're going to see if they should pay this guy any kind of medical bills he might have been sued from uh, getting punched by Linthicum. But that's already, I mean, that's more than two months away. Right. But yeah, so far... Uh, I mean, you said he's starting in the fall. Um, it says in the article that Linthicum uh, is expected to be the starter at tight end, and uh, Max Below, who was also part of this uh, incident out there in Aspen, Colorado, um, his uh, he's at, he has a hearing actually tomorrow uh, regarding this, and he was charged with minor in possession and eluding police. But they're also saying that he should be replacing Greg Jones as the starting middle linebacker as well. So it doesn't look like this is going to have any effect on their starting on their role with the team. I think it's, I think it's okay. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think, I mean, it's stupid. Like, yeah. They should have been using their heads a little better because to punch someone is a little, a little outrageous. I mean, our football team hasn't been giving off the greatest impressions to the the nation lately. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, at least they're getting some sort of punishment. Um, I guess we'll see if he if he owes any money. I think he should. I think he should pay. You don't just punch someone and get away with it. Like not get away with it, but not not give anything to the yeah. you punched. So I I think he should end up paying. I guess we'll see that in a couple of months. But I I think it's okay that they're starting. This, this is their first time. One kid's pretty young. Yeah, one kid. I mean, Max yeah. Below's nineteen. Yeah, he could have screwed up pretty bad had they decided that you know. It, obviously, it wasn't bad enough to kick him off the team, but like no. to even just start him, yeah. to not even start him, that kind of thing. And so. you know, D'Antonio did suspend. I mean, they didn't practice in the first two spring practices right. at all. They weren't allowed to do that. But um, you know, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, you know, they got punished as they should. I mean, we'll see what Max Below's punishment uh, should be, which it definitely shouldn't be as uh, as much as Brian Lithicum. You know, minor possession. And I think you know, eluding police. I honestly put even more of that on Brian Lithicum. He's the older. He's a senior this year. I think Max Below most likely was just following him and you know deciding to run from the cops. So when it comes to Lithicum, I mean, I'm just a little surprised that the court costs only be a hundred dollars. I have no problem with 40 hours community service. That's fine. I mean, you know, he's a busy guy. And we ever, whenever it comes to assault cases, you just you don't know what really happened in that bar. Uh, who knows what this Benjamin Nichols guy mm-hmm. did to, you know, maybe get Brian Lithgow angry. Doesn't mean he had a re- doesn't mean he should have punched him. But you really when it comes to these kinds of things, you don't know the specifics of what went down at that bar. If he was antagonizing Lithicum and Lithicum just, you know, was drunk, kind of lost it a little bit. So these kinds of things are tough to say. It's not black and white when it comes to any kind of assault case. And we'll never really know exactly what happened. Really not a big deal. These guys both should be starting, like you already mentioned. Um, it's nothing even close to compared to some of these other incidents that we've seen with the football team and even some of the basketball players uh, over the last uh, two years. So just, yeah, a little update on Lithcom. I mean, I really, I mean, I want him to start. He's going to, you know, he's a great tight end for us. He really does a great job out there in the field. And, you know, just hopefully he has a, no, no mistakes. You know, I mean, I'm saying with the law uh, for the rest of the year in his senior season, because, you know, he has a good, he has a good chance to have a great senior season ahead of him and hopefully takes advantage of that. And, you know, for Max Below, young kid, like you said already, 19, um, you know, I think we all made mistakes at 18, 19, little things like that. He is on the football team, so it is more of a privilege. You know, he needs to take care of him. I think he's a little bit more in the spotlight in a sense. Mm-hmm. But, again, a minor possession. I mean, it, it I, happens. I, I mean, I got an MIP back in the day. It happens. Like, Yeah, if it's a repeat, if something else happens with either of them, I could see something a little more severe. But it's a first-time offense. I mean, he just needs to, you know, realize that he made a mistake. Um and just move on with it, I guess. I mean, it's not something so horrible, like a DUI or something, Yeah. that you could have killed, like... He, he wasn't I, putting anybody's lives at risk. No, so, I mean, I mean, he hit someone. He did but... hit someone, and it could be some CSI case where he gets punched and dies <laughs> somehow. Like, right in the perfect spot in the head and done. Yeah. But, no, I just think he needs to learn from his mistakes and just move on. Definitely. And you know what we're, we're going to do? We're going to move on. Uh, that's uh, that's all we need to say about this topic. It, it's pretty black and white. And uh, we're going to move on to the NHL, uh, which has been fantastic. I uh, love the NHL. And the NHL kicked <laughs> off on Wednesday with the Detroit Red Wings facing off against the Phoenix Coyotes. And uh, it was a good game one. Detroit took game one, four to two, uh, in, a, in a really well-played game there at home. Like I said, the Wings needed to maintain uh, just you know, playing well at home. They had been struggling uh, towards the end of the season and it went really the second half of the season playing at Joe Lewis, uh, but they came out and really looked dominant there in the first game. Uh, game two, which took place on Saturday at 1 o'clock on NBC, 4-3. Uh, to three. Detroit Red Wings took that game in a game that got scary. It definitely got a little bit scary. Detroit got up four to nothing uh, by the really two minutes into the second period. Detroit had a stranglehold, you figured, on the game. And little by little, Phoenix kept chipping away, chipping away. Goal here, goal there. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with power plays that uh, the Coyotes got. Coyotes actually had seven power plays in that game against Detroit in game two. Uh, one was a five on three for almost two minutes, and five on threes in hockey. It, it's it's really it's tough to kill off a five on three, especially for a full two minutes. Um, it's very difficult. But you saw them you saw them chip away, and you know I've talked about this before with a number of people. If you ever watch hockey, you kind of get a, you get a little nervous. Not that the team's up three nothing or up four nothing, but when they get up three nothing or four nothing that early, especially in a playoff game, 
you can see that team that got ahead getting lax and kind of stepping off the gas just a little bit, enough to let a team. Phoenix isn't a bad team. They're in the playoffs. They're a pretty darn good team. And, you know, you always worry about teams racing out to that quick lead and then kind of, oh, one goal here. All right, now it's 4-2. to two. Now it's 4-3. to three. And once it's that one-goal game, now you're really starting to get that uh, nervous itch. But uh, now, Megan... You know, the Wings are up 2-0 in the series right now. They actually play Game 3 tonight, finally heading to Phoenix, out there in good old Phoenix, Arizona. Do uh, you think the Wings are going to take Game 3? I hope so. Um, I Honestly, I know I've said this a few times. I haven't been watching them much. Uh, we got into baseball season. I've been much more into them <laughs> lately. Um, but I don't know if this has much to do with them, but sometimes home ice, home court... Um, kind of plays a part mm-hmm. and it might be it could be in a like a determining fa- not a determining factor but like a um something could be just could, a little edge yeah a little something so something that could contribute to maybe them getting their first loss i don't want to say that but um i actually was getting updates to my phone i was at nacho fest on saturday okay i was getting updates to my phone because everyone every time they'd score a goal everyone would start yelling so <laughs> i was getting them to my phone and slowly i was getting ones it was like four to two four to three and i'm like oh gosh like I hope they don't lose, but... Yeah, really? I mean, with it being so close, it just depends on if they want it bad enough, um, especially with the last game being so close. Um, they just need to, you know, just outplay them. I don't know a lot about the team, so I can't really say much, but um, I think they can do it, especially since I know they were struggling toward the end, and, and then to come in and win their first two games. I, it's it's almost like a Tom Izzo, March Madness <laughs> team. Um, but yeah, I I could be... They could win or lose. There's not much more I can really say. Well, no, definitely. I mean, with the Wings in Game 3s, and here's an interesting statistic when it comes to the Red Wings. When the Red Wings have jumped out to a 2-0 series lead in the last decade, they have lost 8 of the last 11 times Hmm. in Game 3. Game 3s have not been good to the Wings when they have to go on the road and they've gone to up 2-0 in the series. Right. Uh, you know, Game 3 is always a good opportunity for that team that did struggle on the road initially to come out and get a, get a nice win. You go down 3 nothing in a series, uh, I believe only two teams have ever come back from a 3-0 series deficit in, a, in the NHL, in the history of the NHL. So getting down 3 nothing is pretty much a death sentence. They're going to uh, be fighting. So, yeah, they will be scrapping and doing absolutely everything possible to get this win tonight. Uh, Phoenix, again, a pretty darn good team. Uh, Shane Doan uh, played very well uh, on Saturday afternoon against the Red Wings. Uh, Seven penalties. Wings need to stay out of the penalty box. Uh, The penalty box, uh, you know, you had two power play goals there for the Phoenix Coyotes. I know the Wings also had two power play goals. But, you know, and that's just exactly what it is. The team that can stay a little more... Just you need to be a little more controlled. Stay out of the box. You're gonna have bad calls against you. Don't get me wrong. That five on three, I think it was pretty ridiculous. Uh, we had a penalty called eight seconds later. They called another penalty. Uh, I think you can sometimes let these guys play. Like I said, you give a five on three to a team. I'm not saying it's a given goal because it definitely isn't, but it's close. Uh, five on three is very tough to you know uh, very tough to kill. Uh, but the Wings, the Wings playing in Phoenix, actually, they've been very successful. They've outscored the Coyotes 17-6 to uh, last year in three straight in Phoenix in the first round in the first round in the playoffs. So, I mean, they outscored Phoenix. I mean, they just killed them in Phoenix. And the Wings do have a better road record this season than at home. So it was nice to see them actually take advantage of being at home, winning those games. And now we're going on the road to Phoenix, right. where, I mean, if you ever watched the Phoenix Coyote and Detroit Red Wing game, there are a lot of Detroit fans out in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> there really are. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, retire out in Arizona. It just, it's, you know, I've always said Detroit is almost the Yankees of the NHL. They have fans everywhere. You right. see a game in Anaheim. You see a game, you know, in Los Angeles. Red Wings really have fans everywhere. Right. So even though, you know, Lindstrom says, quote, it's going to be a hostile environment in Phoenix, you know, we have to respond and really bear down, end quote. Honestly, I don't believe it's going to be you know, extremely hostile. I mean, I think you're going to have at least a few thousand Red Wings fans, um, as usual. But, I mean, it should be a really good game tonight. The game, the puck drops at 10.30 this evening. So, if you got to work it early in the morning, I guess DVR it because <laughs> <laughs> the game's not going to really finish up till about 1 in the morning. So, uh, it's going to be a late game. Expect the same thing on Wednesday night when they go in Game 4. Again, we're on the West Coast. It's going to be a 10.30 puck drop. So another late game there. Hopefully the Wings can sweep them. I personally don't see a sweep. I do see the Wings, though, taking this series now in five games. I do think they'll lose tonight, unfortunately. I really don't like saying that. But the stats don't lie to me here. And just this gut feeling of how the Wings kind of let that 4-0 lead slip away. Phoenix is going to have all just – they're playing for their playoff series tonight. This is the series. 
game three. They need to win it. It's a, it's an absolute must-win game. So hopefully the Red Wings can come out and be strong. If that Suk plays like he did in game two, and like in every game you almost see that Suk play, uh, I don't think the Wings will have a problem. That suit, you know, he had four points in Saturday's game. He was a part of every goal scored, whether it was an assist or a goal. Uh, that Suk, I don't know if you saw the highlight of the in-between-the-leg shot. Absolutely phenomenal yeah. shot. Uh, that Suk, who is just, he's an amazing player. Even all the guys on the Coyotes, like they say, I love watching them, hate playing against them. And that's exactly it. Um, uh, I went out to eat with my parents yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, they came up here for an awards thing I had, and my dad overheard me and my brother talking about, you know, stitches. And we started we started talking about Franzen, <laughs> yep. and he's like, "Yeah, he went and got stitches like during the game, and then he came back on the ice, and he had stitches like across his face and like band aids." And my brother's like, "He is the man." The mule. It was just funny, like, because that's that's the first thing I saw when I went on the Red Wings page on the free uh, the Free Press website. Yep. And it's a giant picture of Franzen with like four band aids on his face, and it's it's <laughs> funny because obviously they want to play, and good for them. And I don't know, like you said though, with the four zero lead, four three. It's going to be interesting tonight. No, it would definitely will be. And I didn't think the Wings were going to blank Phoenix in Game 2 uh, when they got up 4 nothing. But I didn't see them getting that close to really you know, tying this game back up. Um, you know, A couple weak goals. And again, when you put yourself in the box that many times, you're just giving the opposition too many chances. To, you, know, you put yourself at a 5-4, 5-3 disadvantage on the ice. You know, eventually you're going to probably be taking advantage of there. And the Red Wings did. But again, mentioning, you know, Johan Franz and the Mule, um, he's an absolute monster. The guy's a beast. He came out, you know, he went into the locker room real briefly to get those 20 stitches. You know, I mean, 20 stitches, that's not a little cut. I mean, 20 stitches, anyone who's had stitches, it's a handful of stitches. It's a decent amount. Mm-hmm. And it's funny if you actually, I was watching the game and when Franzen comes back out and he's sitting on the, sitting on the bench, you know, he's talking to Babcock's talking to one of the trainers, like, does he need a visor, <laughs> you know, visor? And he's, you know, he's looking at Franz and Franz just shakes his head. He's like, I don't need a visor. I mean, what are you talking about? I don't want to play with a visor. I'm Johan <laughs> Franzen. All right. I'm fine. Uh, Franzen did actually have the day off practice today. Um, Well-deserved. Um, I, I don't think that Franzen really needed to practice today. Um, you know, it's pretty funny. Uh, you know, Babcock uh, was quoted as saying, uh, quote, uh, I mean, I should should I do what, um, sorry, it says, quote, I mean, should I do what happened to him to you and see if you're here today? I think it's fair to give him a day off, don't you? End quote. And yeah, Franzen got a little rest, which is good for him after, you know, suffering that uh, head cut that he received in Game 2. Uh, unfortunately, Henrik Zetterberg will not be playing in Game 3 tonight. Um, he's still nursing a left knee sprain uh, that he had that he received uh, back in, uh, I think it was the game or game or two before the end of the regular season. So he will not play in Game 3. Uh, Babcock will stay with the same lineup that he used in Game 2. Uh, Zetterberg did say, quote, I felt better than yesterday. I don't know if I did that much. Not really into the battle drills, but it was fun to be out there. He did skate around and practice for about an hour today. Uh, again, no physical drills, but at the same time, he is getting out there. Uh, I think Zetterberg has a really hilarious quote here. Um, you know, they asked him, you know, when do they think he'll be back? And, you know, how how is he feeling, really? And he says, quote, I would say between 40 and 70 percent, maybe. <laughs> Uh, says, quote, and, you know, he's smiling as he says this. And then, quote, as I said, I felt better than yesterday. As long as the progress is going that way, I am happy, end quote. So, you know, the Wings have already won two games without Henrik Zetterberg. Uh, I'm not trying to say in any way they couldn't use him. They obviously could. Henrik Zetterberg is one of the elite players in the league. But the Wings have been uh, have had success without him so far. And obviously, you want to throw him back on the ice until he's completely healthy. Um, that's very important. We don't want to rush him back in. Hopefully, he can get that left knee sprain and uh, get it going. He did tweak it on Saturday in skate around. That's why he's not as ready to go as he might should be. But he should be. He might not play the whole series. If the Wings win tonight, they're going to rest him. They won't play him in game four, I guarantee it. Um, until this series really starts maybe moving along, if it does go to a game six, game seven, I uh, hope it doesn't. But if it does, then that would be the time to probably bring Henrik Zetterberg back to the team. But we are gonna we're gonna stay on the Red Wings. But I want to talk about a topic that really kind of irks me, and it involves the throwing of octopi onto the ice. Okay, good old octopi, a tradition that has been going on in Hockey Town and for Red Wings fans for very, very many years. Uh, it's been going on for a long time. And uh, in Game One of actually the Stanley Cup, uh, the quarterfinals, uh, the Game One, there was a fan who threw 
an octopi onto the ice, and he was ticketed and fined $500 for throwing the, octopo- throwing the octopus onto the ice. Now, again, this is a tradition that's been going on as long as I can remember hockey and the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. It's something that you see all the time, <laughs> and it's not something that I think is overdone or overused. Uh-huh. People aren't throwing 20 octopus on the, on the ice at one time. Didn't it get a little out of hand, though, one year? And that's Maybe. I think when they started to crack down on it. I think it's when and they've really cracked down this yeah. year. It wasn't like it wasn't a it wasn't illegal to throw an octopi on ice. No one had been ticketed before. Uh, that wasn't something that uh, they did. But now it is a rule that they're not allowed to do it. Now I just want to ask you. I know you're not you know the biggest hockey fan, right. but again, this is tradition. Mm-hmm. This is something that's going on. Mm-hmm. Do you really think throwing the octopi onto the ice does this impede the game? Is this slowing the game down? Is it dangerous for players? Or is it just another stupid little thing that the NHL is laying their hand down on saying, you know what, we're going to take another little fun part out of the game? (laughs) I mean, it is tradition. That's one thing I completely remember from when I was like 10, 11 years old was, you know, those octopus being, or the octopi being thrown on, Mm -hmm. on the ice. That's one thing I can always remember, and it always grossed me out when they were real. Um... But yeah, I mean, people have shirts that have the octopus on it. Like, it's just one of the things that have been around forever. And yes. we are known as hockey towns, so obviously it's a big part of um, Detroit, like Red Wings stuff. And it is, it is a nitpick, like little thing. It could be perceived as dangerous. I could see where they're coming from with that. They are slimy. They are gross. Someone doesn't see it, slides over it, and something happens. I don't know. I think worse comes to worse. Some of the skate goes over that though. They're cutting it in half rather than falling over they're cutting it in half and like <laughs> no one's throwing octopi on the ice when like the game's being played right it's after it's after a goal right. or it's at the end of a game or maybe even at the end of a period it's they're not all... when the guys are skating around yeah they're all celebrating anyway that's a good minute of something people are throwing stuff on stage the guy just skates out there picks it up comes back in like it's nothing nothing oops, it's nothing ridiculous like i i feel like yeah it is a little nitpick like it's been going on for years and years and years i couldn't even tell you how long it's been going on. Not exactly. And, I, I, yeah, I think it is a little ridiculous. but And it's just something that, I mean, $500? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> really? And I, he got kicked out of the game. I mean, he got kicked out of the game. He's like, yeah, you're going to jail. And they grabbed really? him by the shoulder and took him out. This isn't this isn't the Detroit Pistons brawl that we're throwing beer Throwing beer cups at Ron Artest. Right. <laughs> and this is not that. This is just something traditional. Yeah, I think it's, now that, now that I kind of put two and two together... I think it's a little ridiculous, mm-hmm. and I think that to be fined five hundred dollars and be be kicked out and threatened to be sent to jail—that's stupid. A little over the top. That's stupid. And I, I want to pose that question to our listeners. Uh, you know, five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Uh, do you think the NHL has gone overboard and you know rule you know out you know getting rid of octopi being thrown onto the ice? People can still do it, but they're now going to get punished for it. Uh, you know, do you think the NHL is going overboard with this and taking away another little tradition out of Detroit, maybe needling Detroit a little bit? Or, you know, do you think, hey, it is dangerous. It does. It is kind of a delay of game type thing. Uh, remember the phone number, 517-432-3893. Also, call in. Are the Wings going to win tonight? And how do you see the rest of the series playing out here going to Phoenix now? But staying on this Octopi topic just for one more minute, um, the Wings did release a statement, um, you know, after uh, Wednesday's game regarding this issue saying, quote, the throwing of objects onto the ice service is prohibited by the NHL, the National Hockey League, and persons caught doing so may be subjected to prosecution for violating local and state laws, end quote. Now, the Wings had to say that. They had to issue this statement. That's why I, I take nothing out of this statement. It was something they had to do, in a sense. They had to act. They had to at least go behind the NHL. Do I believe that the Red Wings organization agrees with it? Not at all. I really don't at all. The Wings have actually even offered to pay this guy's fine for throwing the octopi onto the ice. Wow. So if that tells you anything, they don't care. No. The Wings as an organization doesn't care. And I like to bring up, just in general, what about when people score a hat trick? They throw hats onto the ice. And not one hat, but they throw a handful of hats, a number of hats. That slows the game down, but that's not illegal. People aren't getting ticketed for throwing hats onto the ice when there's a hat trick. So why is it when you see that one slimy octopi on the ice, then people are getting ticketed for this now? Again, it's a tradition. I don't believe it slows the game down in the least bit. The guy's out there immediately with the shovel, wim bam, boom, it's done. You don't even it happens in a split second. And I just think it's another stupid thing. The NHL loves to suck the life out of its own league. 
just the little fun things that it has going on for itself. This is tradition. It's fun. It's not dangerous. I mean, even Briz Galoff, the goaltender for the Phoenix Coyotes, said, you know what? I, yeah, I like eating an octopus. You know, it's just the fact that, like, you're not worried about an octopus landing on a guy's head and just draped over his face. <laughs> you know, just like a live octopus. Or stick. It's not happening. It doesn't happen. So just that, it just it angers me because, again, this is something that we've all grown up with. We've all seen for years and years. And now they're trying to take this away. Now, I mean, it's just, you know, $500 fine. I mean, geez. Right. Lilintha come punch the guy in the face. He got a $100 fine. Right. That's... We're going to throw an octopus onto the ice? Oh, that's $500 fine. And we're going to kick you out of the game for the, the ticket you probably paid two $300 for to go see. Right. And it's just, you know, when it's at times that it doesn't even disrupt anything after a goal, after the game. I've seen it a lot after games. They do throw a lot out there, but there's no one doing anything. They're yeah. getting off the ice. They're going in their locker rooms. Yeah. And real fast, and this is a, this is the this is the epitome of what I've been talking about. Okay, on NBC, they did a little segment on octopi tossing, and this isn't a guy associated with the Detroit Red Wings. This is just a guy, an analyst who works with NBC, and he says, "quote You have to have octopus on the ice. It's called fun." End quote. And that was by that's Mike Milbury on NBC. Okay, and he it's fun. Exactly. It's fun. It's tradition. It's been around since the birth of this league, practically. Right. But we do have a caller, so I'll shut up and we'll go to the caller. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kate, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. How's it going? Um, good. Yeah, you were asking. I completely agree. The octopus is a tradition, and it's been around since the 50s when you only needed uh, eight wins to win the Stanley Cup. Yep. So it was eight, eight arms on an octopus, eight wins for the Stanley Cup. And then they started throwing them on the ice, and they've been doing it ever since. Now, um, do you think? Why do you think the the league's uh, finally coming down on this? I mean, do you think it's just? Uh, I mean, what, what do you think the reason is? I don't know. Uh, it's just not to a take good idea either. Yeah, I mean, do you think in any way it could even? I mean, hurt attendance in any sense? Oh no! Okay. All the Red Wings fans love to throw them to the ice, and I always like to see it. Let me ask you this. Would you throw an octopi onto the ice for a $500 fine now, though? Um, uh, probably. <laughs> Great answer. I love it, Kate. All right. Well, thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Bye. 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 No, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, thanks for Kate for actually – I didn't know it started in the 50s. I knew it started roughly around 40s, 50s, 60s. I know exactly when. But thanks a lot for the call, Kate. Um, this is exactly it. I think it's fun. It's tradition. It's not hurting anyone. It's not slowing the game down. Um, you want to talk about slowing the game down. How about the lengthy reviews that they have? Those take a lot longer than a little mm -hmm. octopi being thrown on the ice, and they come without with a big shovel. Like I said, you don't even notice it. It just happens. And, again, you, you know, this, this is actually, you know, this is from an article uh, by Terry Foster from the uh, DET News. And, you know, he brings up a good point, saying, you know, he wonders why attendance is down in the NHL. You know, why it's more convenient to watch at home and not go to the games anymore. You know, ticket prices being too high. And the basic bottom line is league officials finding ways to take the extra little fun out of the game. And, you know, I, I think Terry Foster wrote a great article about this, and you couldn't put it any better. Um, it's just it's very annoying to me and irritating to see this happen in our hometown. I hope a few people throw octopi onto the ice tonight out in Phoenix. Take that fine. Whatever. I appreciate it. Uh, I think they should just get a big group and just everyone throw it at the same time. <laughs> just because how are they going to pick every single person out? And be it's like, true. you did it, you did it, you did it. And it's like you picked the wrong person, they're going to sue the crap out of you. Yeah. It's true. And I just think that would be just the icing on the cake. I think after that, I think they'd kind of back off a little bit. Well, then. I think the funny thing is, that, and this is what I've always wondered, is the fact that why don't they do a better job at stopping people bringing the octopi into the arena? <laughs> Okay, that's my it? question. What is it in a huge duffel bag? Like, where are these octopi? Are they in the pants pockets? They're huge. Like, I just, that's my big question. Like, so if you want to really stop it, go to the root. Stop it before it gets in to the arena. They, like, check you, too. Like, yeah. you bring in a purse. They'd be kind of nasty, but at the same time, what if you open your purse, they look at it. Just one-gallon Ziploc bag. Just boom. <laughs> it could be like Spartan Stadium. Yeah, exactly. That's what I should bring to Spartan Stadium next time, an octopi. <laughs> See what they have to say. Like, it's just a snack for halftime. But uh, listen, we are going to take a quick break right now when we get back. We're going to just finish up real fast with the NHL, then definitely get to our Detroit Tigers, NBA playoffs, and our good man, Barry Bonds. You're listening to Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing.
You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Art Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Uh, getting back to the NHL real fast. Uh, just a recap of kind of what's gone down since Wednesday. Uh, the Washington Capitals are ahead uh, two games to one over the New York Rangers. Rangers actually finally uh, got a win last night, 3-2 to two against the Capitals. Uh, looking at Philadelphia and Buffalo, that series is tied 1-1 one to one right now. So that is a very close series as well. Uh, Nashville and uh, Anaheim, that series is actually 2-1. Uh, to one. Nashville got a win 4-3 to three last night against Anaheim to take the advantage over there in that series. Uh, looking at the Kings and the Sharks, a game that will uh, also be played this evening. Their series is all knotted up at ones. And again, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Pittsburgh Penguins, that series also knotted up at one. Uh, there are four games this evening. Um, again, I forgot. Sorry, I forgot to mention the Montreal Bruins. Uh, Montreal Bruins. That's the most backwards way to say that team. Uh, <laughs> the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens. They will. The puck will drop at 7:30 in a surprising series right now. The Montreal Canadiens, who are the sixth seed, actually stole both games at uh, at TD Garden there uh, for Boston. So yeah, Montreal up two nothing in the series. Philadelphia and Buffalo. That game just got going here at seven o'clock. Philly's actually up one to nothing on Buffalo right now. Uh, at seven thirty as well, Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay will face off for the first game at Tampa Bay. Series all knotted up, like I said. And who can forget Detroit, Phoenix, ten thirty puck drop. So definitely again, schedule that DVR if you can or if you want to watch the game. I think it's going to be a great game to stay tuned to. Uh, you know, I think that NHL playoffs have really been exciting so far. I think they've been very, uh, very interesting. And I just like the parody. And you always get that with the NHL. Um, seedings really don't mean much, in my opinion, when it comes to the NHL. A three seed is, I mean, a six seed is no worse a lot of the times than a three seed. And you can even say the same thing for a two and seven matchup. Um, you've seen a lot of even one seeds go down to eight seeds when it comes to the NHL. So again, you got four games tonight. One at 7 o'clock. That game's already going. Philly and Buffalo. Two games will get going at 7.30. Boston, Montreal, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. And then final to cap off the night, Detroit and Phoenix. But we're going to move past the NHL. We only got a half hour. Man. Uh, but we're going to get to the Detroit Tigers. Um, you know, the Detroit Tigers. Okay. Detroit Tigers. Uh, Detroit. April in the D. Oh I'm sorry. God. I can't say it. It's been stuck in my head for probably 16 days. Uh, two, however long the series been, you know, the season's been going on. I just anticipate it. I've I can't wait for April to be over. That's how I just, annoyed I am. But they'll play song. it in May and they'll play it. But it's not April. It's May in the D. Should I, I'm going to, I'm going to submit a May. They play the it all like, year. And I tell you, okay. every year since they've started this stupid contest, this song stuff, I haven't heard one good song. Not one of them. Okay, this is all I do. April and the D. April and the D. One, two, three, four. D. Fox Sports Detroit. I'm like, you guys are good. Go Red Wings. <laughs> I could have written that song. I just don't know how to play guitar. Right. I guess so that's why I lose. But I'm sorry. Sorry to get that stuck in all of our listeners' heads because I can't stand it. I can't. Uh, so, <laughs> 
Well, I mean, yeah. it's sometimes it's a little bit better than every Sam Bernstein commercial. I've probably seen eight billion oh, yeah. Sam Bernstein commercials. <laughs> At least I know if I ever need a lawyer or a pair of tires, I, Bell Tire and <laughs> Sam Bernstein, because uh, <laughs> you can't watch enough. Those commercials are just endless. Uh, I don't know. On Fox Sports, the April and the D song. If they played it every once in a while, I'd be okay. But it's like every commercial break. It makes its way in there somehow. Oh, yeah. Some way. And then when they do, like, a pitching change during the Tigers games, especially, like, there's another ad- extra added commercial break where they can play <laughs> that song and get it stuck in your head even longer. Like, it's just annoying. They should just play it, like, when the Tigers are losing. <laughs> April in the D. April in the D. And they just get everyone upset. They'll <laughs> <laughs> turn the station. But um, let's get to how the Tigers are doing rather than the song by... April in the D band. Um, the Tigers, uh, they did uh, on Monday. We talked about that game last Monday. They started a series off against the Texas Rangers. Um, and they lost that game 2 nothing. You know, great p- game pitched by Verlander. Unfortunately, Ogando shut them down. But the other two games that took place on Tuesday and Wednesday of last week, Tigers had two nice wins, 5-4 to four against Texas and 3-2 to two against Texas, which uh, was very nice. Valverde, two nice closes in that game. And then we had a four-game series against Oakland, which started off on Thursday. And the Tigers seemed to be on a roll. They uh, they shut out Oakland on Thursday in their opening game against them, 3 nothing. Phil Koch, fantastic start. Um, he played phenomenally, in my opinion. Looking at Friday, Tigers, in a game where they were down one to nothing, going into the top of the ninth, our man Miguel Cabrera <laughs> hits a solo shot opposite side over 400 feet, just kills the ball, ties the game up at one. They go into the 10th inning, and the Tigers put up seven runs in the top of the 10th to get up 8-1. to one. Um, Valverde did give up uh, three more runs there uh, to make the game 8-4. to four. Uh, It was the final score. But nonetheless, Tigers win an amazing, uh, great shot again by Cabrera. And just, I mean, they had an onslaught there in the 10th. They batted around, uh, which was fantastic. But if you look at Saturday and Sunday's game, I think what you can see is just obviously a lack of hitting, a lack of scoring, a lack of just getting yourself a chance to score. The Tigers lost on Saturday 6-2, to uh, and they lost on Sunday 5-1. to uh, Dallas Braden on Saturday and Cahill on Sunday dominated us. We had no answers for these guys. Um, really couldn't put anything together when it came to any sort of momentum in those final two games. Verlander and Penny just could not get it done on Saturday and Sunday. In two games where I really felt we had a decent shot, especially with Verlander on the mound on Saturday, and, you know, I was hoping Penny could finally show us some stuff on Sunday. Didn't pitch a bad game necessarily, but had a horrible, what was it, sixth inning, I believe, where he gave up like five runs in the sixth and four or five runs in the sixth. And at that point, you could just tell the Tigers just were depleted when it came to their bats. But the Tigers right now are 7-9. and nine. Uh, They're four and a half games back. The Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Indians are atop of the Central Division at 11-4. and four. Kansas City is right behind them at 10-5. and five. Got the White Sox at seven and eight, then the Detroit Tigers at seven and nine, and the slumpy Minnesota Twins at five and ten. Now, just looking at how the Tigers have been doing these, I mean, look, they won four in a row. You know, very impressive there. Got themselves out of that three seven start that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even in those wins, you look at that win three to two. I mean, just hmm. not a lot of runs being scored right. in some of these games. Right now, what is your biggest? concern when it comes to the Detroit Tigers oh my gosh our offense Mm -hmm. I'm very very concerned for some reason our power hitters from last year cannot hit to save their lives and like I like we were talking a little bit earlier before the show Jackson our almost rookie of the year came in second cannot get on base to save his life Mm -hmm. and that's I mean when you start off with something like that it's an ugly start to begin with and the only person, or the only two people that we were talking that we can really rely on right now is Cabrera, who brought us out of that, uh, or 1-0, you know. Yep, tied the game the up there in the ninth. And Bosch, who's been okay. No, Bosch has definitely been well. I mean, he's batting 280 right now, which is uh, which is nice. His OPS is at uh, 782, which isn't uh-huh. too bad at all. It's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's the one biggest concern. My second biggest concern is our pitching staff. Um, I don't know. They just seem to be struggling a little bit these past few games. Um, I mean, we I have so much hope going in the sixth and seventh inning, tied zero zero. I'm like, let's do this. We can get this done. And then they walk like four people, and Leland lets them keep pitching. Uh-huh. They have like one out. I'm like, come on now. I'm like, all right. Um, obviously, we need to put someone else in there. And then he puts in like the second worst person. I'm like, God. Like our reliever, they had Penny in there, and they put in Thomas. Uh, I was like, I was like, mm, I don't, mm-mm. no, 
I'm sorry, but I don't know. It's I think it's the season's still young. Oh, very young. I mean, very they're on young. 16 games. Yeah, then. it's extremely young, and so I just think they need to work. Keep going in the batting cages. Do something. Save yourself there. Figure something out to get on base. Because that's the thing, is when 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 Cabrera does hit a home run, or when someone does hit a home run, it's a solo home run, or it's like a two run home run. There's no solo like, shot a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they need to get people on base. And then hit that home run because that's where they're going to start getting, obviously, the the runs because he can't do much more than that. No, and solo shots aren't going to get done. And Cabrera's done everything he can. The man's batting 304 right now. He's got mm-hmm. an OPS almost at uh, 11, 1100. Five home, runs, uh, five home runs, 11 RBIs. Uh, the guy's already got four doubles right now. I mean, he's playing great. And, and I don't think anyone ever expected less of Cabrera. Um, that incident back in March, I think, is no one can even remember what happened back in March now because Cabrera's the one leading this mm-hmm. team yet again. Uh, what's new? Brennan Bosch, like we've already said, he's doing pretty darn well, batting 280. The guy's got nine RBIs, one home run. Uh, very nice to see there. Uh, again, though, with when you look at the way Leland puts this lineup out at times, I really, you know, you talk about why Cabrera and some of the, even Victor Martinez at times, you're seeing these one-run knocks. Mm-hmm. You look at Austin Jackson, who right now is batting 175, for our team, he's got an OPS of 535, which is atrocious. Um, I do believe Austin Jackson will eventually figure it out, but you don't know if he's just in a slump or if you've noticed with Jackson and how he's batting, he has that leg kick, and it looks like he's not yeah. getting that foot down in time to have a decent, you know, decent shot at hitting the ball. And you know, like they're saying, I'll give him some more time, but maybe he eventually will need to go back down to Toledo in AAA and tweak some of these mechanics that he's having problems with right now. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's not it's not doing any good. Brandon Inch, for all of his defensive prowess, again, you need Inch to hit. The guy's batting 204, 586 OPS. That is crap. That's what I, I know they interviewed him earlier um, in the season, and he was saying, he's like, I don't have much time left. I'm getting older. He's like, we got to figure out. You've got to pick a year, and then he can't hit. No. And he's I he's not been struggling, but there's a couple times I've seen him kind of struggle at third base even. Yeah. Um, offset, offset throws, just can't get to the ball on time, just stuff like that. Um, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Third base is so hard. You can't tell if a ball is going to be fair or foul. You touch it, and then you make it fair. And I, 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 oh, understand, yeah, and, I understand that. That's and he's different. got a lot of heart. You see him chase down balls, right. and he might not even have a chance at diving into the stands. I feel like he's going to injure himself one of I these don't. days, making some of these ridiculous dives into the stands. I feel like he's kind of starting to show his age. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I, I can see Brandon Inch starting to get older. And it's a little upsetting. I mean, we've known him as all-star third baseman. He's been great. You know, oh, yeah. He's been awesome. And then all of a sudden, he the, it comes to the 2011 season. And he's starting to look older. He's starting to look a lot older. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, his hitting is really struggling right now. Uh, he needs to pick it up. And then, like we've said, you look at the top of this lineup, and this is my problem. Again, Austin Jackson batting 175 right now for the season. You want to look at guys like Will Rimes, who bats second a lot of these times, batting 222 for the season. Our three spot, and I'm not going to put a lot on Mags at times because Mags has had this ankle injury. He's still dealing with. He's only played eight out of the 16 games. Mm-hmm. But, again, Mags only batting 214 right now. And then even if you want to get to Rayburn, because Rayburn has been filling in for that three spot in a lot of these games, Ryan Rayburn batting 229. It's not going to cut it. All these, you know, these OPS at five and 600 is crap. And again, you got Cabrera stepping up in the cleanup spot at number four, and he's got no one to clean up. He's got no one. I mean, Victor Martinez, he's been doing a decent job. Again, his batting average isn't, it's not consistent. He can have great games, great runs, but he's batting 237 right now. He hasn't been able to put it together consistently. You see glimpses of, you know, a, a nice home run, you know, some good, some timely RBIs. But at the same time, you just, then it just falls apart. It's not even there. Um, hitting definitely is the biggest is- issue with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, zero zero going into the six. Well, I'm sorry, we should score some runs and not have that much pressure on guys, even like Penny and Verlander and our pitchers, because that is a lot more stress and it's a lot more pressure. Well, you don't even have a single run or two, to, you know, that you have behind you to be able to make you relax a little bit. Cabrera can't do it all, okay? Alex Avila, I do want to say Alex Avila. Congrats, I mean, he's been doing a great job in my opinion. Guy's got three home runs, nine RBIs already. Um, you know, he's batting 282, uh, you know, almost 900 OPS. I mean, great job for Alex Avila. I did not see him coming out as strong as he has been uh, this season. But until these bats get figured out, uh, the Tigers are, they're going to lose. Uh, you can only win so many games at 2-0 and 2-1 and 3-2. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to consistently get it done in Major League Baseball. 
It just won't. Not in the American League. It just will not happen in the American League. I know scoring has been down in baseball these last couple years. It definitely has been. But I'm serious. When you score two, three runs a game at most, you know, again, I know we won that game 8-4 to four on Friday night, but it was one nothing going in to the ninth. That's, again, you can't be doing that. Cabrera's not going to hit walk-offs. Cabrera's not going to tie the game up always in the ninth inning for you. You can't count on that. Right. And the other thing is, even when we do keep people on base, we strand them way too much. Yeah. Um, they'll I, have six, seven hits, and they'll have one run. Right. And I can recall times where, a couple of times this season already, where they had bases loaded, and it was a double play. Oh, yeah. And, or we, yeah, and it's, or we strand them, strike out, and they need to quit doing that, because I've seen that team, and that does not end well. No. <laughs> it really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, a few years back, not in 06, obviously, but like... I want to say like oh seven oh eight maybe be, uh-huh. maybe something like that. They used to do that constantly, and it just drove me insane. I was like, you can't strand, you can't strand batters because that's how you score, obviously. Yeah, and, and I mean it's gonna happen. You're gonna yeah. strand guys. You're gonna hit into a couple double plays here and there. I get it, but, but you can't do it all the time. Can't do it all the time, especially in you know very very close games. When the games are zero zero, when the games are one to one, these are moments where the better teams step up and get those runners home. You don't have nine Cabreras batting in the lineup. It's just not – I wish we could clone him. That's not how it works. Okay, and Rayburn, again, looking at Rayburn, he needs to start hitting better. And at the same time, left field, he has not been playing the best out in left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen you know too many errors for my liking out there. And, you know, you talk about seeing that age. Rayburn, you know, he's just turned 30. He's starting to get older as well. And, you know, Rayburn, he always, I always even question whether he is an everyday type player. Um, you know, and right now, uh, it looks like Rayburn's falling right back into that first half of the season slump, and then he's going to turn it on maybe in the second half. But I don't really want to have to rely on that. Tigers need to have their bats come back. I really think their pitching has been pretty decent, in my opinion. Uh, you got Max Scherzer on the mound tonight. Uh, they're playing Seattle in a three-game series. They're still out on the West Coast for three games. Seattle has been struggling. Seattle is 5-11 and right now. So you're going to have Scherzer, who is 2-0 on the season. Scherzer's been pitching great. It's going to be Scherzer versus Vargas. So that is your matchup for tonight. Uh, the first pitch should be at 10-10 this evening. So everyone can flip between the Tigers and the Red Wings for their late-night sports uh, film. But looking ahead for the Tigers right now, like I said, the Tigers are playing three more games out on the West Coast against Seattle. After that, they're going to come home for a nice six-game homestand. They'll be taking on the Chicago White Sox starting this Friday through Sunday. And after that, we'll have the Mariners come to our town Tuesday through Thursday of next week. So that is what your nine, your next nine games look like. So, you know, those are you going to the, that White Sox game? Friday. Friday. So, yeah, you're going to the game on the 22nd. Yeah. I'll be there. Awesome. Guess who's pitching? Uh, who? Verlander and Burley. What a perfect game. Yes. And I'm serious. That is perfect. I'm pumped because Friday is supposed to be 56. With yeah. The rain. Yay. It is. No, that should be awesome. Take notes. Go get a few <laughs> interviews. Do a few interviews. I'm, we got to get actually, some quotes. Actually, we're saying, according to my, my professor, we get to talk to one of the players, and she said normally it's Brandon Inch. Nice. So I might be able to have some quotes for you guys. That's awesome. But we'll see. That's really cool. Yeah. All right, uh, we got to move on past uh, baseball right now. We're running out of time. But I do want to get to uh, this article, uh, com, And this article is discussing uh, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was convicted on one count of obstruction of justice on Thursday. Um, he was found not guilty on the three counts of perjury. Um, and this article basically discusses the absurdity behind how much money our federal government has invested in trying to convict a man of taking steroids or lying to a grand jury. All right, and here's some numbers that I want to tell our listeners about because when I heard them, they shocked me. All right, here we go. The Barry Bonds trial has approached almost $100 million in cost since this began back in 2003. I want to say that again. $100 million. That's a lot of money. And I want to give you a little comparison of this, okay? The cost of the Clinton Lewinsky investigation cost $40 million. The cost of the 9 11 Commission investigation, 9 11, cost $14 million. The Barry Bonds trial has cost $100 million of regarding a substance 
steroids that are a Schedule 3 controlled substance. So for anyone who doesn't know, there's three schedules. Schedule 1, 2, and 3. Schedule 3 is the lowest one of there. Schedule 1 includes like cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, uh, marijuana, and those type of drugs. Schedule 3 drugs are really not that severe. Now, he has been, again... Uh, convicted of obstruction of justice. Basically, in answering a question, uh, the jury said he was evasive. That he was evasive in his answer. That it wasn't a yes or no answer. It was more of like he was saying, well, you know, it was talking about, you know, did Anderson ever inject you with a syringe? You know, did you ever knowingly? Well, you know, listen, I mean, Anderson, you know, we're, we're friends. We've been friends for a while. We have a good relationship. You know, I don't know. I'm a celebrity child. I, you know, I, I got a celebrity father. And he was just kind of, you know, doing the runaround a little bit on the question. But is that enough to convict a man for obstruction of justice? When you found him not guilty on perjury. Now, Megan, I just want to ask you, do you find this as absurd as I do? How ridiculous the amount of money that our government, which is in such debt, the deficit in this country, the amount of debt that this country has right now, almost $14 trillion, and yet you see our government spend $100 million here on a baseball player. I have two words about this trial. Yes. Who cares? <laughs> Those exactly. are my two words. Like, that's all I really want to say about it. I, it's a little ridiculous, if you ask me. It's been going on since 2003, finally in 2011, because they decided, like we were saying earlier, to say they had a, legal, or a politically correct sentence that they could finally say. Mm-hmm. And that's, he lied to the court, pretty much. Yeah, right? that he, no, he was evasive in quote. I'm sorry. Yeah, it wasn't I'm even sorry. lying because if he lied, it'd be perjury. He was evasive. I'm sorry. In his answer. That's the politi- that's a politically correct version of saying it. And it's yes. like, wow, you guys spent a hundred million? A hundred million dollars. On that. <laughs> if you think about that, that's just like it's like it's eight words put together and you you've spent a hundred million dollars on that. That's great. Like, you know, our economy is in such a recession right now. I mean, we're finally kind of getting to some sort of level, yes. like, where we can actually kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, we can only go up from here, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're, you're spending $100 million on a trial of a pro baseball player because you want to make sure, or you want to prove that he was being evasive in court. Yeah. And I mean, I, and again, I, I've, I've spoken with this about other people. Would this ever be going on if it was, you know, Joe Average baseball player? Mm-mm. No. Not at all. The guy was a home if, run freak. Okay. Not only, and I think this is what a lot of people don't understand, Barry Bonds is not just the all-time home run champ with 762 home runs. Okay. This guy holds almost every major league record in every important statistical category. Okay. Like I said, he has the record for single season home runs, home runs against different pitchers, all-time walks, and intentional walks, single season walks, single season on base percentage, highest single season OPS. Highest single season slugging percentage, consecutive walks. The guy's the only member of the 500 500 club. He's the only person to ever hit 500 home runs in five, and steal 500 bases. And yet the government is wasting $100 million to try and prosecute a man, waste all this time, all this money, and why? Why? Because he is the best player of all time. In my opinion, he is the best player of all time. And the biggest issue that why they went after him is because he is not a media guru he's not one of these guys who placates the media is very friendly to the media you know he just he's a guy who keeps to himself and through his career in baseball you know he got a bad rap because he wasn't very friendly to the media and i think a lot of that started you know that's i think a a bigger reason why they really wanted to target this guy because he wasn't a fan favorite and he wasn't just going to completely admit he took steroids i believe he did take steroids who cares who cares? He took steroids for a few years. Even so, his numbers would still practically be the same. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's a little crazy. A little crazy. But we're going to move on past that, re- uh, past that real fast. I want to get to uh, the NBA playoffs. Uh, the NBA playoffs started here on Saturday night um, in some really good games. Uh, again, uh, I did not expect... Uh, how close a lot of these games would be in this year's NBA playoffs just with how dominant some of the top teams in the East and West were in the regular season. But uh, looking at Saturday, the Bulls topped the Pacers 104-99 to uh, with help from Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was phenomenal, 39 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, the guy played fantastic. Pacers were ahead most of this game, but the Bulls really had a strong final three minutes in the game. Uh, fantastic win for the Bulls there. They're up one nothing in the series. Uh, Philly against Miami. Miami took that game down 
97 to 89 uh, in a game where you know Chris Bosh 25 points played well. Uh, Philly really did play a pretty darn good game, but uh, just wasn't enough for the big three there. Hawks versus Magic in a more surprising game. Uh, the Hawks actually beat the Magic 103 to 93, and I say surprising because Dwight Howard had 46 points, 19 rebounds, and one assist in a monstrative game, and they still couldn't win. So we'll see how that series finishes up. Blazers played the Mavs on Saturday. Mavs won 89-81. Uh, Jason Kidd, great game, 24 points, five boards, four assists. Looking at Sunday's games real fast, the Hornets topping the Lakers. Lakers, who are the number two seed in the West, lost to the Hornets. It's 109 to 100. Chris Paul with 33 points, seven rebounds, 14 assists. Played fantastic out there. Um, I don't think the Hornets are going to be able to maintain that through this series. But uh, L.A. does have to. They can't just overlook the Hornets now. Hornets are for real. Okay, the, and again, another surprise out in the West. The Memphis Grizzlies, in their first playoff win in franchise history, won 101-98 to against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, our old boy, ex-MSU boy, Zach Randolph, 25 points. He actually just signed a four-year extension with the Memphis Grizzlies. So all of us hoping he might make his way to Detroit. Not going to happen. But uh, moving on to the other two games, which I would say Sunday was a fantastic day in the NBA. Uh, the New York Knicks against the Celtics, which was a back-and-forth game. Ray Allen hitting a magnificent three-point shot there uh, with not too much time left on the cock clock. Uh, Celtics won 87-85. Uh, Mari Sotomayor, 28 points, 11 boards. Two assists, great game. Uh, looking at Oklahoma City and the Nuggets to finish out the NBA playoffs. Oklahoma City won in a controversial finish, 107 to 103. One of the tip, uh, one of the tips uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder to actually take the lead in this game really was goaltending not called. Oklahoma City did win this game though, 49 point, 41 points, nine assists, two boards for uh, good old Mr. Kevin Durant. So the NBA playoffs will continue tonight. You have uh, Philadelphia versus Miami for the 7 o'clock game. That just tipped off about an hour ago. And you have Indiana versus Chicago for your 9.30 game. Tuesday, you'll be able to see the Knicks and the Celtics uh, go at 7 o'clock. Then you'll have the Hawks in Orlando at 7.30, followed by Portland versus Dallas at 9.30. And then you will have your Western Conference matchups on Wednesday with Denver and Oklahoma City, Memphis and San Antonio, New Orleans and L.A. on Wednesday night. So for all you sports fans, there's not a better time of the year when you got the NHL, the NBA, Detroit baseball, it's it's the best time of the year, in my opinion. I have my sport real, real quick. Real quickly, go. Okay, very quick. We actually, the Talladega race was yesterday, and, you know, I always think of Talladega Nights whenever I think of Talladega, but um, we had a four-wide four finish. It was actually the closest, it tied with the closest finish from 2003 Carolina Dodge Dealers, 400 with the winner is Ricky Craven, second place Kurt Busch. Um, we had our winner as Jimmy Johnson beat Clint Boyer by .002 seconds. Well, crazy. Um, and we had sec or third Jeff Gordon, fourth Dale Earnhardt Jr., and then fifth Kevin Harvick. So it was a really exciting race. Another one of those where they were pushing each other around the track just like Yep, Daytona. bump drafting. Yep, and they, they were teaming up with each other. And, I mean, I had the winner and... Dale Earnhardt pushing each other around. You know, Dale's got to win one of these get one of these races sometimes. Yeah, sooner or later, he's my he's my driver. He's got to do it. He's getting there though, which I'm pretty excited about. So that's my two cents about NASCAR. Nope. Yep. Talladega, always an exciting race. Not as many crashes as I always always have expected. Um, in Talladega, I mean, usually uh, the last seven out of the uh, seven out of the last eleven winners came from the you know final ten laps of the race. Uh, it's always you know really a lot of crashes usually at Talladega. I guess not as much as you said uh, this year. I did not. I actually get to see the race, but I did see the photo finish, which was a phenomenal, like you said, point zero zero two uh, seconds, which is a heck of a finish, uh, especially to see cars four wide. But uh, yeah, good finish there. Uh, real fast, I'm going to throw just a couple interesting facts out there while uh, we have about a minute or two left. Uh, we'll do this. This is a little uh, science and technology. I like never do this. Uh, but it will do science. Uh, in only eight minutes, the space shuttle can accelerate to a speed of 27,000 kilometers per hour. Pretty fast. Yep. Uh, in the Netherlands, there are special traffic lanes for bicycles. There are approximately 17,000 kilometers of cycle lanes with special bicycle traffic lights. Not bad. It could work out around here. <laughs> to be honest, you have, little, you have bike lanes here, you have bike lanes, you know, and then they're not there. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, let's see. In the United States, the most frequent month for a tornado to occur is? Take a guess. April. May, very close, oh. very close. In the wild, a poinsettia flower can reach a height of 12 feet and have leaves that are 8 inches across. Those things are poisonous, too. Yeah, everyone <laughs> loves them for Christmas. Yep. Uh, let's see, it takes 8 and a half minutes for light to get from the earth 
uh, from the sun to the earth. From the earth to the sun, yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, it would take 20 new mid-sized cars to generate the same amount of pollution that a mid-sized 1960s car did. So at least our cars, a little bit better when it comes to that uh, pollution. <laughs> and real quickly, the final fact. Japan uses the most energy per year than any other country. And they obviously, unfortunately, have to use a lot more to rebuild their country after their horrible disasters. Again, thoughts and prayers out to Japan. As, uh, as I mean, it's just really unfortunate what's going on there. Again, thoughts and prayers out to the southeast. I know the Carolinas really got hit bad uh, by storms this weekend. Hope everyone uh, is safe and uh, safe out there and hope they can rebuild and hope they don't get hit by some more storms again. It's really been a weird year of uh, storms, disasters, and everything like that. But I do want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Spartan Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, the Asian Invasion is up next so stay tuned for the spartan sports wrap on impact exposure my name's dave harinku i'm megan and you guys have a great night out there wrap on impact exposure tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information news and analysis here and only here on impact 89 fm an exclusive podcast from impact 89 fm